This is episode 89 of How to Human. In this episode, I want to talk about Oscar nomination bias. As the 2020 nominations have come out, people have noticed that there is, for another time, a lack of nominations for women and people of color. And I want to talk about why that is and how much of a problem that is and how much of an expectation is realistic and the language that's used in the course of discussing the problem and whether or not it's helpful and how much of it comes from the exceptionist, aka postmodernist narrative. I want to start with the idea that I haven't seen any of these movies. None of them. Not the white ones, not the black ones, not the female lead ones. And I don't know if it's relevant. I am not a judge of ability, nor would I think myself to be. I have no opinion on what's good and what's not. But from a cultural perspective, there are shifts happening, and I can look at them objectively from the outside. And one might argue that my lack of emotional bias from having an opinion can let me step back and see the trends. And the beginning trend I want to talk about is the expectation that the Oscar nominees should probably match the makeup of the United States, which is what we talk about a lot for the government as well. If the country's half women, then our legislative body should be half women. Our Supreme Court should be half women, things like that. And so in gender neutral categories, maybe the nominee should be half women. And if the country is, I don't know the number, 12 to 15% black, then the nominee should be 12 to 15% black. And that's a complicated argument. That's a quota argument. And there's something ugly about quotas it doesn't allow people to believe that they belong where they are it is creating artificial artificial juice for nominees that probably wouldn't have it otherwise this isn't to say that people aren't deserving this isn't to say that there isn't a problem this isn't to say any of it but we're against quotas so as we say there aren't enough that's kind of implying there should be a quota. And again, I'm not saying that there isn't a problem. There is a problem. The problem is correctly identified that the Academy, which I guess is the group that makes these nominations, is overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly white, overwhelmingly male, overwhelmingly old, overwhelmingly in its own box of what it thinks is worthy and for that reason has a bias and ironically for that reason maybe a quota would be helpful if they're not gonna see through their own biases i can remember two different times when beyonce lost for best album one to taylor swift 
and that was when Kanye West got up and said something stupid and another time that she lost to Adele and here's the really complicated part that I'm probably going to get killed for or I would get killed for if anybody actually listened to this podcast is that popularity matters and if we live in a country that is divided culturally and racially and most of those cultural lines go along racial lines then the extent to which the popular culture becomes the popular race if we're shooting for a single goal that being an Oscar or a Grammy nomination or whatever it may be that popularity is relevant and it's ugly we want to say the talent is all that should matter and that's actually the way it's designed for Grammys and Oscars is that talent should be the factor that's used to decide who gets it but that's not how life works there's another part to it too which is campaigning I remember reading an article about Harvey Weinstein campaigning for Shakespeare in Love to win Best Picture. And nobody thought it would win, but he did this crazy campaigning job. And it allowed him to win, or allowed the picture to win. And I'm not saying that campaigning is necessarily part of this, and some people are doing it better, but it's... I'm saying that the idea that it's entirely about talent is a misnomer. It's about talent, it's about popularity, it's about campaigning, it's about things that are, I'm gonna use the word lowest common denominator, or the phrase, something that appeals to everyone. It, I know it matters, I know it matters that we're just looking at talent, but if something is a niche film or doesn't have a broad audience, it's less likely to win. And I understand how that comment can get killed because there are white actors who have won for niche films and maybe I just undercut my own argument. In fact, I probably just did. One movie I did see was Moonlight, which I thought was phenomenal. And I remember when that won. And that was a Mahershala Ali won for Best Supporting Actor that year. And the point I'm making is, I don't know what point I'm making. Maybe it varies year to year. Maybe they have some bias some years and not others. And it is a difficult thing when we're talking about a tiny number of nominees and even smaller number of winners and want to put all racial justice in the lens of these small numbers. Because it's gonna be, without quotas, it's gotta be sometimes not gonna fall in your favor. And maybe if we look over time statistically, if there's so many times it falls out of favor, that's obviously a sign of bias. And you know what? It is. That's how numbers work. Statistically, over time, any if we roll a die 
and it comes up three and it happens twice in a row that doesn't mean anything but if we roll a die ten times no if we roll a die a thousand times and three comes up eight hundred times well that's a problem so it is hard and we do have a long history of bias where we went many many decades where everything was white all the films were white I mean to be fair for the most part and what's happening is people are looking for equal treatment and why would they not why would that not be what we'd want in a country where we praise equality diversity we are supposed to be a melting pot we are supposed to be this thing and we're not on our biggest stage we're not statistically we're not even though it's so complicated we're rolling three a lot of times and I'm not sure I have an answer because it can't be a quota we don't do quotas we figure that out with affirmative action and I'm not sure I have an answer short of a turnover of the Academy and hmm, it's complicated the actual details of this don't very much matter to me a because I don't care about the Oscars B because I don't watch that many movies and C probably because I'm a white male therefore I lack the empathy for women and people of color who are being shut out for the umpteenth time. But what I really want to talk about is the language that's used in talking about this problem. It is a problem, and the issue is the way I see it. As I read an article about this, which was the Thing that made me want to make this podcast it was about how there's systematic oppression of women and people of color seeing their performances as less worthy and there was one comment that saw Asians as less human and I don't necessarily disagree with these comments but here's the problem is that impressionable minds read them and impressionable minds will hear them understand them and take them in as a worldview and because empathy is their primary lens their primary decision-making tool they are going to use this messaging as their worldview and see the world as a completely oppressive patriarchal place and here's the problem on a level that's true and the things that we say out loud 
that go untested, that are unchallenged, become culture. So the only thing we can say out loud is that it's a patriarchy, white privilege, white power, white supremacy. It becomes the thing that people believe. And again, I'm not even saying it's not true, but in a world where we're making progress and we are making progress, we're actually using language that says we're making less progress and it's getting worse. And people see things through this lens of oppression. And when you're told you're oppressed, you're gonna believe it. And oppression is a scale. On a scale of one to 10, you can be 10 oppressed, which nobody in this country is 10 oppressed. 10 oppressed is slavery. Maybe the most oppression we see is women in the Middle East. They have to wear burqas and they can't drive and they can't go outside without a man and things like that. That's oppression. Maybe that's oppression at level eight. And how oppressed are women and minorities in the United States? It varies. And it's much more than white males, 100%. And if your vision of how society treats you is entirely that you are oppressed, you're going to think it and you're going to start to develop a victim mentality. And the language we use when we discuss this oppression matters. It matters greatly because while people who are adults can have nuance around this and say, this is just the Oscars and the workplace, women aren't getting the promotions they want and there's some sexual harassment and these things are all true. But overall, you know, it could be way worse. There are a bunch of people coming up who don't think it could be way worse, who think that this is a horrifically awful system that needs to be overturned. And I'm not saying that's not true. I don't think it is true. I'm saying that there are people that think it and could be right in some way, shape or form. Maybe they're seeing something that I'm not. But we created the freest society on earth and within freedom comes choices and within choices comes bad choices and oppression isn't a choice oppression is wrong and we are making strides to remove oppression and we are doing it it's way better than it was 40 years ago way better and maybe what we're doing is just getting asymptotically closer to the line of complete equality maybe but my point is, it is important that the minds of people be positive. If people are always looking for what's wrong, they're going to find it. You find what you're looking for if you are that devoted to it. And this isn't to say that there isn't a problem. There is a problem. but in the gray area of life, in the gray area of seeing something that 
may or may not exist. You're going to lean one way. And we tell everybody that they should lean one way towards oppression. The reason every time a minority is involved or a woman is involved that something doesn't go their way, it's oppression, then people are going to believe it. And they're going to want to arrange the world around the idea that it's constant oppression. And maybe it is. Maybe it is. I remember I heard a podcast yesterday. It had a woman talking about when she was 24. I don't remember what industry she was in. And she said the men in the office were flirting with her in a business sense, like playfully. And she felt pressure to flirt back because she knew that if she didn't, it would hurt her career. That sucks. That sucks so much. And I can't imagine. And that's kind of the white male patriarchy BS that we need to get rid of. And we are still in a place where we need to look at things with a glass half full attitude. With a glass half empty attitude, everything is going to seem super negative and nobody's going to want to see the system that we have created that is so great. It's the freest system on earth. Yes, it needs improvements. No, we don't need to overturn it. Because what overturning it looks like is mandating everything and making rules for everything. The opposite of choices is rules. And if we put rules on everything and bubble wrap society or use peer pressure in situations like this, that there's a problem with not enough female nominees and nominees of color, then peer pressure will make it so perhaps people overcorrect. And overcorrecting is a problem too. Going back to my previous podcasts, we dealt with a culture of logic for too long, and now we've overcorrected to a culture of emotion, and that's got its own problems. And, and it's also an ugly thing. Part of the racism that exists in this country is pushback against the diversity narrative. And I'd like to think that's mostly about people being told what to think. People hate being told what to think. And if there's the impression that the diversity narrative must be something you think, then people are going to push back. That's definitely part of it. That's definitely part of why Trump got elected in 2016. That people were, they felt they were told how to feel about Obama, and if they couldn't feel any other way, that it was in some way culturally and emotionally oppressive. That's part of it, right? There's, that's so nuanced. 2016 is so nuanced. I'm not going to go deep into that because A, it has nothing to do with the Oscars and cultural bias in the Oscars. So 
what I'm getting at is that there is a problem in the Oscars. There is a problem with cultural bias. The majority does get majority privilege. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong. Things should be based entirely on talent. And if this was a totally fair society, that's how it would go. Am I going to use the excuse life isn't fair? I'm not. I do think separate from life not being fair that we should find our awards based on talent because that's what this is. It's a talent competition. That the nominations and winners should be based on talent. And to the extent they're not, it's a problem. And it's based on Continuing a system that doesn't work for finding the best talent across genders and races and cultures that aren't the majority. To the extent that choosers are overwhelmingly white and male, they aren't going to choose candidates of color or women. And it is a problem and it hurts people if I remember hearing a lot in 2016 about how much a woman winning the presidency would win, that women, girls, grow up and they can they see what they can be based on what exists. And every time a woman breaks a barrier, that it sets a different example for what women can be and allows women to think bigger. Of course it does. The same for black people, Asian people, Latino people. And it is important to see these things. I don't know if it's society's job to force that to happen. That sounds like quotas. People should earn things, but what if earning things is impossible? What if sexism was a big part of the reason Hillary didn't win in 2016? Again, going back to politics. Well, it's the most important election that ever existed, so I guess it has to be. I have to bring it up sometimes. And that's unfair. Talent should win out. In a completely fair society, talent should win out. And I believe it, too. I believe in equal opportunity, not an equal outcome. In a way, I'm talking about equal, oppor- equal outcome by saying that the proportion of nominees or representatives in society of successful people should be matching of the population. That's equal outcome. But what if equal outcome isn't possible because equal opportunity doesn't exist? Such that equal equal outcome is never possible. Not that equal outcome is a goal. Equal opportunity is a goal. But equal opportunity cannot exist in a world with biases. And that's a really hard thing to figure out. That does take a giant cultural shift. And maybe that's what we're doing. And maybe it's what that's what this diversity and inclusion movement is about. And part of the peer pressure of the diversity and inclusion movement is moving towards equal opportunity on the racial and gender lens. Why wouldn't it be? And I think a lot of the pushback is 
People are wary of being told what to think. Here's what you should think. Here's the morally superior way to think. And here's the problem. It is the morally superior way to think. It really is. So why is there so much pushback? Because people don't like being told. That's it. And but what if you are holding a morally inferior position? Should you still be told? That's tough. People like to learn on their own. It takes time. It, that's the problem. It takes time and maybe the timeline isn't good enough for civil rights, uh, gay marriage, these things. And what we're talking about now is cultural equality. These things are going to take time or did take time. And people don't have time to wait. We're alive now. People are unhappy now. So I don't know if I have an answer. Maybe it's in inevitable pushback against a move towards equality now. And as I search myself for my own, my own biases, my own worry for how this is shaping out. I don't like being told that there's a morally superior position and I need to hold it myself. So that's why I can see it in others. I loathe being told what to think. And if I'm told there's a lens through which I need to see a problem that isn't one that I agree with, and I'm not necessarily using the Oscars as an example, Maybe I am. Maybe I am using the Oscars as an example. Do I think that there is systematic oppression in Oscar nominations? Yes. Do I like being told how to think about it? No. And maybe I just don't care enough. Maybe I led with that in the first place that I don't care that much. Maybe. In fact, probably. There's something about now, I'm going to bring it back to what I've been talking about. It's the victim mentality that comes out of the language that's used. I find it offensive. I find it in a way that says we are being oppressed unfairly and we have an expectation of equal outcome. The argument should be about the talent process and not about the number of nominees. That's a really nuanced concept. The selection process. I'm not sure if I said talent process or selection process. I mean, it's the same thing. It's really nuanced and it's really complex. And I'm. I wish I had the words for it, for what I think the proper example, the proper way forward is, because it's really hard. What I don't want is for peer pressure to be the way that change is made. I want it to come from people's hearts and minds. And how does it come from people's hearts and minds? 
without peer pressure, it's not happening on a timeline that works for people. Peer pressure has to be part of it. Of course, peer pressure is part of it. And who wants to hear about a white male saying, wait longer? Nobody. Nor do I even think that that's true. It's a hard situation. And I don't have to answer it. I only have to analyze it. And that's the end of this analysis and the end of this episode of How to Human.